Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hey everybody, it's Brian Kipper with Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. I am the Youth Outreach Director for Priests for Life and the Director of Stand True Pro-Life Outreach. I am excited today, uh, this episode, I have a good friend and somebody who I always joke as the most punk rock guy in the pro-life movement. Uh, This is a man who, without his research and his talents, a lot of things that we do in the pro-life movement wouldn't be possible. I'm sure he would say I'm over-exaggerating a little, but uh, Dr. Michael New is, most of us consider the best researcher out there in this country, whether it's pro-life or not, and he happens to do a lot of the work for the pro-life movement. So without further ado, let me introduce the most punk rock man in the pro-life movement, Dr. Michael New. Brian, thanks for having me. That's very high praise. Much appreciated. Thank you. Now, I, I do I do throw that title around between you and Tom McCluskey sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, you're definitely... Yeah, from, I, yeah, I he's tough competition. He's, uh, I think you, you edge him out uh, at least I know you you know how to drink a Guinness better than him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael, how are, how are we doing today? You're in Washington, D.C., joining us uh, from uh, you at Catholic University today? Yep. I'm here at the office at Catholic University uh, where I teach uh, economics classes to our business students. So here from the office. Very good. So, Dr. New, um, tell us what got you, like, what was your first exposure to the pro-life movement? What was the first thing that made you think, hmm, this might be something I might want to be involved in? Sure. I mean, when I was, you know, in high school, you know, I was like a lot of other high school students. I was running around trying to get good grades, involved in a bunch of fun activities. Uh, The pro-life issue was not really on the radar screen for me. But in 11th grade, I took a class on morality. I went to a Catholic high school, went to Central Catholic, and I'm very grateful that my parents sent me there in, in Pittsburgh. And we watched the silent scream. And as pro-lifers know, uh, that was a video that was produced by Dr. Bernard Nathanson that shows an ultrasound of an abortion taking place. And I was in 11th grade, and I watched it, and I was just disgusted by it. Uh, But I still wasn't motivated. You know, I thought to myself, abortion is a lousy thing in a world full of lousy things, and kind of just went about my life. And then uh, I went to college, and I went to Dartmouth. I started there in the fall of 1993. And um, the only things I really enjoyed my freshman year at Dartmouth were some of the conservative political groups I was involved with. And that started steering more more down a pro-life path. And then I remember sophomore fall, um, I was sitting at mass one day and uh, I wish I could remember exactly what happened, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Abortion is a really important issue. This isn't like term limits or cutting the capital gains tax or whatever the issue of the week is this week. This is really important. This is life and death. And uh, I thought I should be doing something about it. What do I do? I'm a student. Maybe I can start a campus group. So a a little while later, I talked to our priest. I said I wanted to start a pro-life group. He told me that another student was already working on it. I emailed the student. We worked together, and I never looked back. Very good. Central Catholic, I have have fond memories. I don't know if you know that I've spoken there a couple times. I actually did not know that. I'm glad yeah. uh, glad they brought you in. Uh, yeah. You know, I wish that they had done more on pro-life issues and I was there, but I do know they sent a group to the March for Life every year. So um, I'm glad they, they brought you in. It's a fine school and uh, very glad that, uh, you know, I've always joked if, if uh, it's all male, I've always joked if you're Catholic, you're a boy and your dad cares about you and you grew up in Pittsburgh, Central Catholic. That's where <laughs> your dad sent you. 
You know, it's 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 amazing because I've spoken at several schools in Pittsburgh. I've spoken at Catholic schools all over the country, and the level of of um, pro life should be equal. It should be, you know, at every Catholic high school, there should be this. This is a priority. This is something that you're taught. This is something that we're going to bring people in for. This is something we're going to do. But unfortunately, Dr. Neal, you and I both know that's not true. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a, a Catholic high school in um, in Michigan. And uh, there was a student there who back this was back when I was doing Rock for Life. So this was this was quite a few years back. And this student had gone to the principal and it was uh, sometime before the March for Life and was like, hey, uh, I've been involved in Rock for Life. I want to bring Brian Kemper in to speak at the school. And the principal's like, oh, I don't know, you know, we're, we're, we are going to send people to the march, but that's a little controversial to be talking about at school. And the student's like, dude, like, we're a Catholic high school. How is yep. that controversial? And the principal denied him, oh, denied yeah. him. So this student got up early, Dr. New, every single morning and got to school as early as he could and sat in front of the principal's office every single day for two months, I believe. And ask the principal, hey, can we bring Brian Kemper in to speak? Hey, can we bring? And finally, out of out of just frustration, the principal allowed it to happen. His persistence allowed it to happen. And and this is what was it was it was heartbreaking, actually, mm-hmm. is I came in. The reception was amazing. Uh, and this student and his friends, uh, we hung out. We did all that. We ate lunch with all the students. We did the talks. And then I went into religion classes. And I actually had to go into a class where the teacher had just told the students, oh, it's okay. You could be Catholic and be pro-choice. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like a religion teacher at a Catholic high school. And what was amazing was the students literally debated the teacher for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so impressed. But I think I think a lot of times that we we look past the youth. We look past young people who happen to be some of our biggest and best, brightest minds and the most most uh, passionate about wanting to get out. You and I have been out in front of the Supreme Court. You know, we kind of stand to the side as the old guys now and mm-hmm. see these young people with their bullhorns and their dick. They'll be out there for four or five hours dancing and chanting and doing all this stuff at an event. And I'm ready to sit down and go to bed for the day. Mm-hmm. But it's just exciting to see that. And it's usually high school. It's usually Catholic high schools that that, mm-hmm. that a lot of these students come from. No, I agree with you. I mean, young people are doing a lot of important work. I mean, historically, a lot of work on abortion, frankly, both for good and for ill, has been done by young people. Uh, Sarah Weddington, uh, who was the one of the attorneys who argued Roe v. Wade for the Supreme Court, she was in her 30 when she argued that case. So, And it's young people who are having abortions. There are high school-age girls getting abortions, college-age women having abortions, who can reach out to them, their peers very often. So again, you're never never too young. I mean, I always say if you're interested in this issue, there's always things you can do to build a culture of life, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are, whether you're in high school, college, plenty of work to be done. And again, we need the creativity, we need the enthusiasm. And sometimes the pro-life movement hasn't always, you know, invested as much in youth outreach as I think we should have. I know when Absolutely. I was in college in the 90s, you know, we were kind of left to our own devices. You know, we did our best. Uh, but some support and some advice would have been would have been welcome. So um, again, I started doing writing and research. It uh, started getting some attention around 2004. I got to meet with a lot of pro-life leadership. I told everybody who would meet with me, invest in youth outreach, invest in youth outreach. 
And finally, we saw student life really kind of, you know, come of age and get off the ground around 2006, 2007. It's like, great, you know, the cavalry really is coming up behind us. Oh, I, I know. And you were out there causing trouble. I remember being at a talk in Michigan once and, and in the middle of my talk, my phone starts buzzing like crazy. And there was this crazy research doctor out in my van rearranging things, trying to mess with me as I'm giving a talk. Yep. So, uh, that was fun. Those were fun times. So, you, you, yeah, absolutely. And you and I, like I said, we're out there and the students that come with Students for Life are absolutely just on fire. And it's, it's mm -hmm. so great to see them. Uh, you see them out there like we're both, you know, still sleeping at home or in our hotel they're out there from the night before, whether it's 30 degrees or 10 degrees or 50 degrees. And they're out there keeping our spot in line to make sure that we're able to do what we need to do at the Supreme Court. It's, it's such a, a huge blessing to see those young people. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm super blessed to work for Priests for Life and Father Frank, who, who puts this whole you know, notion of a youth department as an actual thing, providing me to do the show, to, the book and all the stuff that we're doing. So it's definitely a blessing. So. Dr. New, I'm fascinated by, by your research because mm -hmm. I, I tell you, I do research on, on little things and, and the tediousness of it, I, my mind just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. so I'm like, here, can't somebody just make a YouTube video so I don't have to do all the research. But what, what got you passionate about doing research for the pro-life movement? Like, like, um, I kind of stumbled into it sort of by accident. I was always pro-life. I mean, I was involved in the campus pro-life group as an undergrad. I got into a PhD program at Stanford as a Stanford grad student. I was involved with the pro-life group there. I was very proud. We worked with some students at UC Berkeley, actually at a pro-life rally on the Berkeley campus. We had Saren Foster, Feminist for Life, spoke. We actually got a good reception. Uh, the protesters liked some of what Saren had to say. She said that Berkeley should be more accommodating toward uh, parenting students and pregnant students. And even the pro-abortion folks were sympathetic to that at some level. So... Um, I you know, had a very good experience there, but I didn't really get working on kind of pro-life research until after I left grad school. That My dissertation dealt with state-level budget rules and fiscal limits, which is a bit of a dry topic. But it got me thinking because, you know, I studied the 1970s tax revolt. And one thing I saw was that, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, fiscal conservatives did to try to limit the growth of government didn't work well in the long term. You know, they had intended to do something good from their perspective, but a lot of what they tried just was not terribly effective, at least in the long term. And I you know, was thinking about the pro-life movement. I thought, you know what, we worked really hard trying to pass all these good state-level pro-life laws. We try to pass parental involvement laws and informed consent laws, and we don't want state Medicaid programs funding abortion. Well, this is great, but are we actually saving lives? Are we actually lowering the abortion rate by doing this? So I had a background in state politics. I saw there was some, you know, abortion data put out by the Center for Disease Control uh, and by the Guttmacher Institute. So I decided to do a study on the impact of state-level pro-life laws. And at this time, uh, I was a researcher. I had left Stanford. I was at Harvard. I had a research job there. I was teaching adjunct at UMass Boston. And, um, you know, I was... Uh, now, as you get into this, Dr. New, explain real quick, though, what Guttmacher is, because... I think a lot of people don't realize that they are basically the research arm of Planned Parenthood. Am I correct? Yeah, at one point they were the research arm of Planned Parenthood. They had a direct connection. They've tried to kind of uh, separate themselves a bit, I guess, since 2006 or seven. But they are still a research institute that supports contraception, strongly supports legal abortion. You know, I do a lot of writing trying to critique their studies and show, I think, how they often mislead people. 
but they do provide some data on state abortion rates that you know has been useful uh, to me and other researchers. So, and I kind of just use that as a backup. I look at both data from the Center for Disease Control that comes from the government and data from Guttmacher uh, that they they release on on their own. So, um, you know, I again I do the study on uh, state level pro life laws, and uh, I found that um, you know there was good evidence that all of the incremental laws do good. If you pass a parental involvement law, minor girls are less likely to get abortions. If you uh, prevent your state Medicaid program from funding abortion, abortion rates go down. Informed consent laws, they seem to be pretty effective too when they're designed properly and, and enforced. So I was able to get the Heritage Foundation to publish the study. Uh, it was, you know, came out, I think, the day of the March for Life in 2004. And it was a comprehensive study, looked at nearly all 50 states for about 15 years, held constant, you know, demographic, economic factors, and showed all the incremental state little pro-life laws actually do work and we are making some real progress getting abortion rates done by passing these laws and the study came out and i just kind of thought the pro-life movement would come along and pat me on the head and tell me what a nice guy i was and that's a good study and good work and you know that'd be it uh didn't work out that way people were really interested in these findings and i was getting lots of invitations to write and speak and i was happy to do that and one thing i kind of realized you know as this is going on is the pro-life movement really didn't have its own in-house social scientist we didn't really have anybody who could critique polls and you know other kinds of research that their opponents were trying to disseminate. And I had the background to do it. You know, I had a master's degree in statistics and a PhD in political science, both from Stanford. And I saw this as a, a real need I could fill, and I was happy to do it. So I kept doing research on the impact of state-level pro-life laws. I, you know, thankfully National Review Online has taken a real interest in my freelance writing. Uh, I blog for them. I'm usually on there once a week. Uh, discussing some some pro-life issue. So it's worked out really well for me. And one thing I've really tried hard to do in my writing and research is just give encouragement to pro-lifers. We've been trying to get Roe v. Wade overturned for some 49 years, and it's been a lot longer than many of us thought it would take. But one thing I want everyone to remember is we are making progress. We have gotten the abortion rate down by more than 50% since 1980. We have yep. cut the abortion rate down more than half if the abortion rate today were still what it was in 1980, there'd be a million more abortions taking place every year. So we haven't gotten Roe v. Wade overturned yet. We've made some real progress getting abortion numbers down. It's important to know that reason one of the big reasons why numbers are going down is because more unintended pregnancies are being carried to term. Again, we have data on this. Uh, that if a woman faces an unintended pregnancy today, she's a lot more likely to carry that pregnancy to term than she was, say, 25 years ago. So I always tell pro-life audiences this. Because if more women are choosing life, it all flows back to the activities of pro-lifers. We're either changing hearts and minds through our educational programs, we're you know, providing better services for women through our great pregnancy help centers, or passing protective pro-life laws, or maybe some combination of these things. So again, I really want to give people hope and encouragement. You know, I wish we could make progress faster, but we have made progress. And I always tell folks to you know, stay the course. You know, we're, we're going to win this in the end. So, Dr. New, one of the things, obviously, the other side is panicking. They're seeing that these laws are effective. Um, uh, Texas has has wiped out so many abortions so far this uh, year with their law. And now with Oklahoma recently passing uh, a, a law, a lot of where Texans would go for an abortion. But the other side knows we're winning. The other mm -hmm. side is coming out more and more in force and more vile. And look at their objection to the last two Supreme Court nominations was, in, in my opinion, 99% about abortion. That was their objection. And if it weren't for 
the the fact that they know Roe versus Wade is hanging by a very thin thread. Mm-hmm. I don't think there would have been that much attention whatsoever uh, towards Kavanaugh or mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett. Um, but we do know that that's why the other side was was going ballistic, uh, thinking that that you know they know it's going to work. They know that these laws are going to pass. One of the things though that that perplexes me so many times is just the average Christian, the average person who says, oh yeah, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life. Mm-hmm. But what are we going to do as an alternative? We can't we can't overturn Roe versus Wade because then what are we going to do as an alternative? And, and my question back immediately always is, I, I'm sorry, do we tell a, a, a uh, mass shooter? I'm uh, Wait, 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 wait. We have to find an alternative for you. Mm-hmm. Do we find a, a serial killer? Wait, uh, before we, we need to find an, al- an alternative for you. Um, any other crime, that would be even as a joke to say, Let's not let's not take care of, you know, ending this crime until we find an alternative for it. Um, The only alternative to killing children is not killing children. And that's what we need to 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 understand. Abortion. In fact, you know, as much as, you know, we use that word, I, I don't like the word because it's a it's almost a whitewashing of child sacrifice child mm-hmm. killing infant children being ripped limb from limb in the womb but we we whitewash it because we don't want to offend anyone we don't want to you know hurt anyone's feelings and mm-hmm. i i'm more worried about offending god mm-hmm. by not standing up against this 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 uh this literal murder of innocent children yeah i mean the other side tries very hard to sanitize what they do you know they, what they, it's abortion. They call it choice, or at least they mm-hmm. used to. And um, you know, essentially, yeah, we we have alternatives. You know, if women want to carry pregnancies to term, we have lots of groups willing to help them. You know, there's close to three thousand you know pregnancy help centers that offer a very impressive range of services yeah. uh, for pregnant women in need. Uh, and there's more pregnancy help centers than abortion facilities. And while abortion facilities are closing, pregnancy centers are opening up. And, you know, many states are really helping out that Texas has an alternative to abortion program and they appropriate like a hundred million dollars uh, to help women in need. And there's very little coverage of that with the Texas heartbeat law. All the mainstream media wants to talk about is women going to other states. And I don't deny that's happening. I mean, laws aren't magical and some women I'm sure are circumventing the law and getting abortions elsewhere, but there's been almost no coverage of the pregnancy help centers in Texas that are working very hard to help women in need. Very little coverage of the uh, alternatives to abortion program that the state legislature very generously funded. So uh, it's you know frustration, but you know as pro-lifers we have to keep doing our work well. You know, be a faithful, be a prayerful witness. Uh, there's no shortage of good ways to build a culture of life, and uh, you know we can't always be discouraged by by others. And you know it's it's amazing, Doctor New, that not only will they they won't cover the crisis pregnancy centers or the the pregnancy help centers, they they are actively and extremely actively trying to shut them down mm-hmm. um we've seen this in, in in several states and and these pregnancy help centers because they do not offer abortion because they yeah. believe abortion is the killing of an innocent child mm-hmm. that there are there are people trying to force these these faith-based pregnancy help centers to make abortion an option yep and it's it's just it's it's asinine to me mm-hmm. um, because the the abortion mills are not 
pushing adoption. Mm-hmm. The abortion mills are not doing anything but selling abortion. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. They're not only making money off the abortion itself, but then they make money selling the parts of the babies. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you and I have seen it over and over. We've seen it. We saw it a couple of weeks ago in Washington, D.C. with our friend Lauren, mm-hmm. who rescued these children, um, 110 who have been buried uh, and given the proper cemetery, uh, funeral. But the other five who who when you saw the pictures of these, of these babies, mm-hmm. Dr. New, you can tell how late term these mm-hmm. babies were. You can, you can see that it, it not being in the situation it was in, if it was cleaned up, you, you, you would think that that was a delivered human being, mm-hmm. you know, but we've seen the truth and, and the abortion industry, they have no interest in the truth whatsoever. And I think that you probably see that more than a lot of people, because one of the uh, all the stuff you do, the research, you you have a doctorate, you have all of this stuff going on. Yet I can't go on a Saturday morning on Facebook without seeing you standing outside the abortion mill in Washington, D.C., spending hours of your day every Saturday and probably other days when you can. Mm -hmm offering these women an alternative to killing their babies, offering them that, listen, if you're walking in there right now to make that decision to Mm -hmm. kill your child, whatever the reason you might be making that decision, we're here to help you. We're here to take care of you. We're here to give you any, any help you need. I think for most people, the work that you do on your own is enough to, to, to make your head spin, but then you spend your free time out in front of the abortion mill. Why are you there? Why do you go to Planned Parenthood, Dr. Neal? Um, it's interesting. I, you know, at one point was aware of kind of sidewalk causes and sidewalk ministry, but didn't really feel called to be involved. And uh, I read a book about, um, you know, it was back in 2006. So I guess it was about 16 years ago or so uh, called Wrath of Angels. It's not a sympathetic book, but it does talk about kind of, you know, Operation Rescue and direct action and uh, even things in the 1970s that, you know, preceded, you know, what uh, got a lot of media coverage subsequently. And uh, I just kind of read this book and I just felt really called that, uh, you know, if abortion really is as wrong as I think it is, the writing and the research is great and makes a contribution. But I really felt I couldn't just fight this issue behind a desk. I really had to be out there where abortions are taking place, at least trying to do what I could to offer women seeking abortions some alternative. And when I first felt called to do sidewalk ministry, um, I was actually a professor at the University of Alabama. And I'm not going to lie, I was terrified. I'm like, well, if I go to the abortion clinic and I run into a student of mine or I run into a colleague of mine, what if they file a complaint against me? You know, at the time I was, you know, not tenured and, you know, I didn't you know, necessarily need, uh, you know, complaints and grievances being filed against me by, by others. And then, you know, I was reluctant, but I thought about it. And I'm like, yeah, Michael, if God's really calling you to do something, you know, he'll take care of you in the end. You know, if this is what you're supposed to be doing, it'll work out in the end. So, you know, with a group of students uh, involved in the pro-life group at University of Alabama, we started going out to the clinic on Saturday mornings and praying and trying to offer alternatives. And uh, interestingly, I never ran into a student of mine out there, never ran into a colleague, never had any trouble from, you know, any faculty colleague or dean at UA okay. during my time for the sidewalk counseling I was doing there. And, uh, you know, again, I arrived in Washington, D.C. in 2018 to start this new position at Catholic University of America. I spent a little bit of time getting settled in. And then one Saturday, I woke up. 
uh, ran a few errands. It was too early. So I thought to myself, well, I'll go to the D.C. Planned Parenthood and help out the pro-lifers. I showed up there, and I was surprised. We only had two pro-life people sidewalk counseling that morning. And we used to have a lot. We used to have like you know 20 or 30. Um, but what happened was they moved locations, and some people moved away. Just circumstantially, people just weren't showing up. So I thought to myself, you know what? We need to get this going again. You know, the, it's great that two people came, but we need more than two people. You know, We just need to really have strength in numbers out there. So I'm going to show up every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to send out an email to my friends. Uh, and the world didn't bang down my door, uh, but um, you know, eventually people did start showing up, and you know, the sidewalk ministry has uh, become uh, much, much more developed as as a result. You know, Doctor Nidhi, I, I wouldn't give you grief for it. The only grief I'd give you is for associating with the University of Alabama in any way. Hmm. Now, uh, Bryce Griffin, our friend, will, is going to smack me in the back of the head once she sees the show. Hmm. But uh, you know. It, it, it can be horrifying. It can be scary. It can be very scary to go out there and 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 to put yourself out there in those situations, you know. And you and I, you, I believe you were there. Uh, was it two summers ago when the man threatened to shoot me? Yep. Uh, you know, and and you know that, that's happened to me several times. I've actually uh, had different things, but I've never been hurt. Mm -hmm. I've never been hurt. God's always protected, and it's always worked out. And Doctor New, I don't know if this has happened to you yet. But um, back when I first sidewalk started sidewalk counseling um, in the 90s, early 90s, I was at an abortion mill in, in California and I was standing there uh, just holding a sign that just said uh, uh, abortion kills children and Jesus heals and forgives. I had two signs. Mm -hmm. It was during the life chain time. And um, this woman walked up to me at this abortion mill and said, you don't know this. But you were standing here. I remember you standing here this many months ago. And then she handed me her little baby. Wow. And she said, thank you for saving my child's life. Mm -hmm. And wow, <laughs> it just uh, any amount of hours I've spent, anything that's happened to me out in front of any abortion mill is all worth it for that one human being's life. Absolutely. That one human being's life. And I know you've seen saves. You've seen women turn mm -hmm. around. Um, you know, we're not doing this for a profit. We're not out there making money. There's no, you know, we are doing this for souls. And and because there are human beings that are that are being led into buildings and they come out the back in a medical waste box. Yep. Like like those babies in DC. And that's that's why we're there because we need to see an end to child killing. Now we we only have a, a few minutes left, Michael. The last two minutes, um, I'd like you just to uh, to let people know how they can get involved in uh, in in sidewalk counseling. If anybody who's watching in the D.C. area and such, um, you know, just an encouragement for people that are that are out there doing it now. Also, All right, sure. If you're in the D.C. area, uh, you can email me. My email address is michael.j.new at gmail.com. Uh, you can also ping me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is on the screen, at michael underscore j underscore new. And no matter what you can do, it's appreciated. It's just once a month for an hour, that's valued and appreciated. So just because you don't have a ton of time on your hands, if you could just join us one morning a month, uh, you're doing something great. So, you know, and if you want to be trained, if you live somewhere else, Sidewalk Advocates for Life you know, has some very good training programs, both online and in person. I'd recommend looking them up online. 
Uh, they do some very good work as well. So again, I think, you know, there's many great ways to build a culture of life, but there's really nothing quite like being there when the abortions are taking place. I think that's the best thing pro-lifers can do. And I think if there's any students, uh, high school, college students who the doing who like to do research, who, who like to crunch numbers, who like to do that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, contact Michael New, talk, call, contact Dr. New and find out how you can maybe use some of your talents to do some research for the pro-life movement. I'm sure, Dr. New, there's there's probably so many topics you'd like to tackle that you just don't have the time for. Absolutely. If people can put data in the spreadsheet for me, that'd be welcome. I mean, I could always <laughs> need some research help and I'm not a rich person, but I can offer some compensation. So if you want to get involved with, you know, pro-life research, uh, talk to me. Um, I'm happy to, to have a chat with you and see what we can't uh, work on together. Excellent. Well, Dr. New, I appreciate it. The time has flown as always. I cannot wait to see you the next time I'm in DC. We'll, we'll hang out at the Dubliner and have a Guinness and talk about pro-life and then get out there and get active. Absolutely. Anyway, this is, uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and say a closing prayer for us, Dr. New. All right. When we're sidewalk constant, we always end with the, the St. Michael prayer. So I'm going to close with that one. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast out Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you. Well, everybody, this has been Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. I am Brian Kemper, the Director of Youth Outreach at Priests for Life and Director of Stand True Pro-Life Outreach. Thank you for joining us on the show, and we'll see you next week. has been the end abortion podcast to learn more to help end abortion and to connect with us on social media visit endabortion.net